Hello everyone, welcome to Avoiding Entropy. This is Tumultuous. If uh, you've been here for a while, thank you very much for listening. And if you're just getting here, thank you very much for listening. I don't like to discriminate between people that have been here for a long time and people that are just starting now because although they probably do consider it to be a big difference, as long as you're here, you're here. And thank you. There are people that have been here for the longest and that you will never be able to change. And that is theirs and theirs alone. And I thank you those. Today, I'd like to take a different course. Actually, probably not, but similar. Little tangent, like I always do. Is the speed of life. Right? So the speed of life is what I mean. It's different. It varies second to second for every human being. None of us perceive time the same way. Or, let me rephrase that. None of us perceive time the same way at the same time. So if you like golf, and I don't, and we're golfing, it's going to be shorter to you than it is to me. But how do we measure time? When you see a stopwatch, you see the seconds, the minutes, the milliseconds. The one's going really, really fast. Now, that's just because what people have told you. That is what you know. But in fact, time goes much, 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 much faster than that. As fast as those little numbers are churning, there's smaller numbers that churn faster and smaller numbers that churn faster than that. And if you're living somewhere in the millisecond range and you lived time by that stopwatch, an hour to you would seem like a century. In a golf match, three lifetimes. So, what I'm trying to say is we sell ourselves short of how we experience time. Just because we measure time in seconds doesn't mean that's how it's actually measured. And someone slower than us can measure it in hours. Seconds to them would be like milliseconds. They would wonder how we're doing everything so quickly. And to tell you the truth, the fastest human is not that much faster in the grand scheme of things than the normal human. Yes, of course, they're faster, but not that much. Not by a thousand times. An ant can lift up to ten times or a hundred times its own weight. Every, every single one, all the ants. How do they experience time? What's their stopwatch like? See, so you have to understand that you could slow this down for yourself. It's about where your mind is. Alright, so there's your mind and then there's your consciousness. I think we've done this before, but we can do it again. It's an interesting experiment. Just listen to what I'm saying. So wherever you are, just don't close your eyes if you're driving, okay? Please. (laughs) Or pull over and then close your eyes. You don't have to do that, though. But you can. You can close your eyes and you just kind of sense the room around you, where you're sitting, where you're standing, what you're doing. Now you can listen to sounds, the air conditioner or the heater going, cars driving by, the fan, the door slamming, anything. The creaks and groans of a house with heat or cold. And then you pay attention to your chair or what you're sitting in or the floor that you're standing on, which shoes you're wearing. You focus your mind to that. Keep that in your mind for a second. And now let's get on a plane and go to the last wedding that you've been to.
or the last party, the last get-together of human beings that you attended, the one that's mo most memorable. And if not the last, then the most memorable. Go, let's go there. What did you eat? Was the food spicy? Did you spend a lot of money? Did you give someone a gift? Did they like the gift? Was, did the bride like the dress? Think about anything. Okay? And now, think of a function you went to that you didn't want to go to, like a work event or an interview, something that was maybe you did look forward to, but not that. So, right? So while you were thinking about this last one, are you thinking about the room and the chair that you're sitting in? And when you were thinking about the vacation, were you thinking about the room and the chair? And now that you're thinking about the room and the chair, are you thinking about the work event? So what I'm trying to say is that your mind encompasses all of those places and times. And you could almost go there from your memory, some more than others. Why are some events imprinted more in our memory than other events? They're all there. In fact, if something pertinent rose up later on in life, on an event that you seem to have forgotten about, it's just a vacuum, and then someone does something that reminds you of that day, and you say, holy shit, you just brought back this whole big memory. And you know, all, all of a sudden, like, this makes sense, and blah, 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 blah. Make an epiphany. So you travel to that memory specifically. Why? You hear what I'm saying? You traveled to that memory. That memory doesn't come to you. You say, oh, it comes to me, you know. You go to it because it, in fact, is, or memories are not in your brain, per se. They're not stored in your brain. Your brain is not a filing cabinet for memories. Your brain is a processing center that processes information. Where it files the information once it processes is your bank that is connected to my bank, that is connected to everyone's bank in a grid of information stored holographically about 60, I think it's 60,000 miles above the earth. Or I don't remember the exact number. Monkeys have one too. Every animal, in fact, has a grid. And they're all grid of all their own information. Now, mosquitoes, for instance, only live a couple of days, but they all know the vacuum is bad. How is that possible? How is a mosquito that was born today know a vacuum is bad? They just they, they know to run away from a vacuum, but not other things because they have memory, the like regeneration memory. They can remember their grandpa's thoughts because memories aren't stored in your brain. They're stored into this grid, into this field of information around the earth, which is why you and the people you made the memories with, you know where they are in this grid. And it's not a grid that you know, moves, it stays there, it's all, it doesn't matter where on the planet you are, although it, it will, because certain places could spark certain memories, but it's not a physical location, it's a mental location, and you know exactly where you put your memories, because you left them there, there's no memory that you will never ever remember, something could remove, there is something that exists that will remind you of it. Now, you might not remember detailed numbers like the license plates of all the cars on your birthday, although you did see them, and they are in your brain somewhere, but you just can't get to them. So just like Rain Man, Dustin Hoffman's character, in the movie when they drop the toothpicks on the floor, the nurse drops a box of toothpicks on the floor, and 
Dustin Hoffman looks at it, he has autism, and he looks at it, he's 300, 396, 396. And then Tom Cruise, was his brother, looks at the box, and it says 400 toothpicks on it. And he goes, oh, close, bud, it was 400. But then the nurse reveals that there's four sticks left in the bottle. I mean, the, the box, So, which means he counted 396 toothpicks in a matter of seconds. Less than a, you know, a matter of seconds. How did he do that? He actually counted them, but he didn't count them one by one. He looked at all the toothpicks and he made a educated guess, so to speak. He was never educated in how to do this, but it's an educated guess. It's kind of like, say for instance, you have a dinner party and you have to set the table for 20 people. You reach into the thing of forks and you pull out exactly 20 forks every time. Or, for example, if you need 19 the next day, you pull out exactly 19 forks. You don't really know how much you're going to pull out, but you know that it's going to be 19, so to speak. So this is a much more you know, serious case, but autism is very, very interesting in that with all of its debilitations, there are a lot of things that are different and areas of the brain that are more operative than normal human beings. So in the sense of like schizophrenia being shamanic is similar to what I'm talking about. But the fact that he can do it, that character, means that everybody can do it. We just don't know how. That's what I'm trying to figure out. I'm trying to figure out how to tap in to the grid of information and not only receive information that I need, but more importantly actually, to send information out so other people can receive it. I firmly believe that if most of us thought happy thoughts simultaneously, the ones that didn't think happy thoughts would automatically start. You know? That's kind of what I'm going for. I'm going to go do that now. Thank you for listening, though. And, uh, Happy thinking.